Um, this is uh, Mike Mills with the Texas Real Estate and Finance Podcast, and um, coming to you today with a uh, um, a very interesting topic. In that, uh, you know, I deal in real estate every single day, uh, buying and selling, and helping people get loans. But there's a whole other world to this that I'm really not very familiar with. And um, my next guest is going to help kind of clarify and explain to us how there are multiple ways to buy properties and build wealth through real estate that I'm not familiar with. And so I got a ton of questions for him. And he's a best-selling author. Uh, he's a real estate coach. And let's go ahead and bring on Mr. Chris Prefontaine. Hello, Mr. Chris. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Um, as we talked about when you uh, initially uh, hooked up before we started going live here, um, it's 105 degrees here in Texas, but I'm wearing the hoodie. You know, when it. someone sends you merch, you got to make sure that you represent, right? Love it. Love it. So um, you are in the Northeast. You're in Rhode Island, right? I am. Yeah, I'm in Rhode Island. Been here since 2008. Grew up in Massachusetts, not too far from here. Okay. So I'm here in Texas. So we're, we're a good little distance apart. Um, but, uh, you know, in the same industry doing the same things, I'm very curious, how did you get to the place where, you know, you're at right now? You, you got into real estate probably when you were pretty young and yeah. you have developed what you've developed kind of, how do we, what was the roadmap to get to where you're at? Yeah, I started in, um, fall of 91. So I'm coming up on 32 freaking, I can't even believe it's 32 years. I really can't. Um, <laughs> I started building homes. I, I wasn't a builder. Um, I hooked up with a gentleman that was a builder and I heard, I'm going to date myself here. I don't even know if you've heard these, but I heard way back then I was traveling to a family company. We weren't in real estate. My, my, my family was a welding company, welding, uh, supplies. And I heard an old Earl Nightingale tape. He's long gone now, but it was literally a cassette tape. And he talked about the depression and how this nobody would buy or sell. But he had this guy that he knew of during the depression that went around and put signs on people's lots, sellers lots, and then attracted buyers and then built a home farm. So that's a cool idea. So we, we started doing that. We built hundreds of homes after we got it rolling and we did it all on creative financing without me knowing it. I was naive. I was in my twenties. And I, and I said to the owner, you'll wait till the house is built and sold. I said to the contractors, you'll wait until the house is sold. We, everybody waited till the end. Yeah. So I did that all the way till 95. Uh, 95 till 2000, I built a brokerage. Real estate brokerage was never a broker. Uh, sold that to Cobalt Banker in 2000. That was a good experience. Okay. Uh, that led me to coach um, throughout US and Canada realtors at the time, not investors. And that led up to the crash of 08. And I had my own investments going at that time, obviously, right. and that's what got me in the crash. So the crash was miserable for me. Uh, it's the beginning of the, one of the books I wrote, but the uh, financially, mentally, everything. But coming out of the crash, I said, what the heck are we going to do to to be in real estate if we even want to deal with it? Because I was spent. And yeah. it was how I operate now. It was only buying without banks, without using my money, without pledging credit, because I had none at that time. And that's what that's how this whole thing was born that I'm doing right now. So um, you mentioned the, the crash and I've, yeah. I've, you know, gone to watch some of your stuff and some of your talks that you've done over the years, um, you know, related to the coaching and the business. And one of the things you bring up from time to time is the crash and how that kind of reshaped everything that you did. And especially, I think it's very apropos these days because we're, you know, we didn't, this, what we're experiencing right now is not what happened in 2008. And, and anybody that wants to compare the two is just ridiculous because I agree. The, the two things that we're going through, whether you want to call it a recession, if we're there yet, or or whatever the financial crisis is occurring, back then it was specifically related to real estate, and it was specifically related to loans given out on real estate. Today, it's not. It's there's a many of other many other pieces to the puzzle that are that are causing issues now. But one of the things that I always heard you say, and I think is important, is coming up with the resiliency inside of you to be like, look. 
this happened, but there's nothing that I can do about it. So the only thing that I can do is react and I can try to reshape my business accordingly and not just try to throw in the towel and say, oh, this is too hard. Can you speak a little bit about that? Just what shifted in your brain to realize like, hey, I just got to muscle through it. Uh, a couple of things come to mind when you ask that one is to, to the direct answer is um, I had no choice. Like we went from a, I don't know if you heard the story, but we went from a beautiful two and a half acre property here in Newport, Rhode Island, overlooking the Harbor, which is impossible to get in hindsight right. uh, to a 900 bedroom, a 900 square foot bedroom apartment for 900 bucks. That, that's what we had to do. To, wow. So it was a humbling experience, but then I said, okay, kids, I like, it was miserable. I don't want to stay there. So I had to rebuild. I had no choice, but to let go, but I don't want to act like that was easy. It took four years. Yeah, February. It's never well. easy. There's nothing. Yeah, it's none of that stuff is easy. <laughs> no, and you like it takes longer than you think, like anything else, right? So February of eight to February of twelve, uh, I was toast. And the only thing that got me out of it, and I said this to one of my clients this morning because he was whining about something, and I hit him with a message. I said, "Look," and basically, what I was trying to tell him is your problem is not like as significant as you think. And how I realized that was I flew to a gentleman I looked up to, uh, business wise, and I did this in uh, 2012 about January, February. That's what got me out of it. And I, I told him I was whining and tell him what I went through. He said, he laughed in my face and started to list all the things he's been through. He was like 20 years my senior. Yeah. And it made my stuff look like nothing. Right. And basically told me to get, get out of my way, get my yeah. own way. So I started back right then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's always this, uh, the, this thing out there. And I, you know, there's two sides of it because I've heard this said before where the worst thing that's ever happened to you is still the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Right. And, and, and your reaction to such is, is yeah, like I understand the emotion behind it and where you're at with it, but at the same time, there are way worse things that could happen to you. And as long as you still have your health and you're still breathing, then you can fight back and get what you want. But you know, the minute you let your brain decide that you're not going to try anymore, that's when you lose. And, and I really think that that's uh, you know, a lot of agents these days, especially in lenders and all of us in the, you know, what I would call inside the box world, um, you know, they're struggling with that. And, you know, sometimes when you have these market resets, like we've had recently and what you experienced in 08, um, you know, it kind of calls the herd a little bit, right? All the people that were in the business that never had to work, their phone just rang, they did all these things. They, they are getting out because they can't sustain, right? They can't keep going. So, um, now one of the things, because of the way the world has changed in the last 12 to 24 months that people get into, which you yourself are is coaching has all of a sudden exploded. Everybody's a real estate coach. Everybody's a, um, you know, is going to tell you how to do this stuff. So, um, you yourself are a real estate coach, um, on a, in a different way, obviously, cause you of the method you guys use, but tell me about, uh, about that journey and, and what your thought on coaching is. Yeah, so in 2014, uh, we, we live in Newport. I said Newport County has a war college here, so Navy. Um, gentleman reached out to me and said, look, I've done three tours to Afghanistan. This kid was like in his late 20s, early 30s, and he'd already been through all this. And he said, I'm done. I'm going back to civilian life. I heard about you. Could you coach me? I wasn't coaching it. But because I coached in the past, I'm like, yeah, it'd be cool to do this in the investment world. Yeah. So he came to my office, literally. It wasn't like today where, the, where most people around the country with us. He was right in town. Yeah. So he came in and we did calls together and I showed him how to get his first three properties. And that really got me the itch back again to coach. Um, and then I wrote a little ebook. It was called Eat That Sandwich was what we called it. It was about sandwich leases. You can't do that in Texas. We can do it everywhere else. And after that, we sent it to this little list. A, a friend of mine had this VA company. She sent it out. About 300 people opted in and we said, oh, that was cool. So we just started building it like that. And that was, I think that first year we did like 10,000 in business. And then the next year we did quarter of a million and it's doubled for many years or at least 25% a year now in the bigger years uh, since then. 
Yeah. And I just love two things. I was, I kind of alluded this to you earlier. I love to help people, but I love to see them do deals. Like yeah. there's a big difference between marketing a product and go, right. good, good luck. Good luck, Mike. I hope you can do it. Yeah. To, uh-oh, they go out in the real world and there's all this stuff that happens. Well, it's yeah. supposed to happen. So we tell them ahead of time and we help them through it. And we actually do deals with them in the trenches. That's how I get into it. And that's kind of where it is today. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the big separation. I think a lot of times with the coaching world is there's a lot of people that'll tell you how to do stuff. They will, you know, instruct you. They'll give you videos. They'll do all those things. But then when it actually comes down to actually doing it and going through the trenches with you, that's when they kind of disappear a little bit and, or, or don't have enough to really, you know, skin in the game or experience or whatever you want to call it to be able to really, you know, set you, set you on the right path. So at least, you know, you guys are helping people once you explain how your program works, what you guys do, y'all are holding their hand through the process and helping them get those deals because at the end of the day, the results are what matter, right? It's not the the motivation and all the stuff that comes along with it. It's like, what what is the what's the bottom line? What can I actually get out of this? And and I think that that's uh you know that's that sets you guys apart a little bit from from what we typically see. Yeah, um, I remember Mike. If I can say this, I, I yeah. remember our first event. I remember saying to my son and son-in-law, "Hey, we gotta get like there's like 17 students or whatever it was, small." I said, we got to get one of them to do a deal. Like we're coming up on an event. Like that was a big deal then. Yeah. Now we do, man, I think this month of June, we, we have under contract with the students, like 10 new properties, right? Like, so it's just a norm now. Yeah. But back then it was like, we got to find a deal for this, these, the, one of these 17 people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're all about the deal for sure. And I, I had a guy in my podcast, I won't say his name, but I, I, I was talking to the podcast and I get done. I said, Hey, when you sell your product, he's somewhat in my space. I said, well, who coaches him after that? Because you can refer him to us or do you coach? He said, I don't coach. He said, I can market, Chris. That's why I came up with that when I was telling you earlier. He said, I can market. And I think he was doing like $8 million a year in sales, just marketing product and not coaching. What wow. that does to people like me or you or someone who cares about doing deals is they come to me and they go, I bought these courses, Chris. How many? Like 10 of them. I had some people spend seven, six figures, excuse me, before coming to me. And so you got to get through that roadblock of, hey, it's okay. You had some education. It wasn't your fault. Now right. it's the deals and it's right. hard to break through that sometimes with people. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, you got to go, it's trial and error with anything yeah. else, right? You got to learn and, and you start gauging on, you know, people and experiences and, and what you feel from it and all that. So, I mean, that's, I think that's pretty standard. And in, in when you're looking to try to start something new and you're getting help and advice and you're paying for it, it's just how it works. Yep. Um, now these days, um, whenever I talk to, you know, at least in my world, whenever I talk to buyers, um, there's not a lot of people that are looking to invest in real estate, right? Because prices are high. And now this is all perception, you know, now they are, but yes. home prices are high. Um, you know, you see right now, especially in the, in the commercial real estate market, um, not necessarily, I wouldn't say maybe multifamily, but certainly like office space and whatnot due to the work from home, you've got a lot of um, a lot of uh, resetting, uh, you know, loans that are coming with some of these uh, commercial properties that are um, may have some issues in the near future. We'll see. It hasn't happened yet, but you know, yeah. there's some stuff that could possibly be on the horizon. Um, but even on, you know, single-family homes, multi uh, multi-family units, um, you know, what would you say to somebody who came to you and said, "How how am I going to find a deal right now? There's no deals right now because everything's expensive. Money's expensive. Yeah. Everything's expensive. How do I find a deal?" This is by far the best time in my 32 years to be in creative real estate. I didn't say conventional, creative. Yep. Prior to the crash, as a realtor, I had no clue what I do now. I had right. no clue about it. So in this market, with the interest rates going up, you just, as you know, flushed out, I don't know how many buyers, how many hundreds of thousands of buyers thought they could buy a year ago now, and uh, they lost hope, right? Yep. 
Okay, so our rent own program does exactly that. It helps them become waited out for saving more or waited out to get their credit better or wait, whatever it is, anytime we put them in homes. That's key. And then on the selling end, there's never been a better time because there's about a third of the properties in the United States that are free and clear. The building I'm standing in today, talking to you, I bought in 2018, free and clear. I mean, there's no mortgage on it and we structured owner financing. You mentioned commercial loans, for example, earlier, and I jotted that down because I have a 20-year loan here with a private party. The rate will never change. And if I had financed this commercially, not only would I have gone through the underwriting that I can't stand, but but I'd be up for review every five years typically, yep. right, on a commercial loan. Yep. So I'd be bumming right now. I'd yep. be like, uh-oh, my costs are about to go up. Yeah, because so, you had a 3% rate. Now you're about to go to 9 Yeah. That, and you're going to, that's to your point, it's going to cause headaches. Well, not in the creative financing world. So just understand that when there's, when there's chaos, like when COVID first hit, any change in the market, when constantly changes anyway, we know that, then creative real estate is key because they need you. They need a guide. Um, so we right. are busier than ever. I predicted it when things calmed down a little bit from the craze and now our community is going crazy with deals. It's awesome. So, all right. So tell me then, um, since you, we've said it several times now, this creative financing side of things. So, so give me a couple of examples. Now I know you'd mentioned one that I'm in Texas that you can't do. And Texas has a few different laws in a lot of other places. Um, but, um, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what type of creative financing you're talking about, what what options are available and just an overview of kind of how some of them work. Yeah. Um, first of all, let me comment on the Texas thing. So why, why is it that you can't do sandwich leases in Texas? I would render it a guess that someone screwed it up, meaning they, they did something wrong, right? When you, when, when investors try to push the envelope, it screws it up for everybody else. So it is what it is. The other two methods other than sandwich lease are my favorite anyway, because you own it instead of controlling it. And that is number one, owner financing. I mentioned it on this building. Why do I love free and clear properties? Because I structure principal only payments, Mike. And in your business, you know, this is like, so I, there's no interest. Monthly payments of principal only. We did a million dollar home on, in down Cape Cod this way. We've already exited out of it, but it was a realtor, get this, in Boston who couldn't sell it and sold it to us owner financing. That meant I paid her $2,500 a month for her million dollar property. It was 945 purchase and it was principal only. So 30,000 a year coming off of principal. That's owner financing. You just don't have a bank, just like here. You just pay the owner. Um, The second way, and this is really cool in this market to your earlier question, is subject to existing loans. So unlike the free and clear owner who's in good shape financially, this is the complete opposite. Usually they're hurting. Like they have little equity, they got job transfer. They have little equity, they got new orders in the military, whatever, and they can't sell it without coming out of pocket. These loans are sitting out there with like two and a quarter to four, four and a half, let's say, interest rates. We're buying properties now with those old rates and the loans are staying in place and they're staying in the owner's name. So I'm never signing personally, okay. although I own the house. Okay. That is a key strategy right now. Okay. So, all right. So on the owner financing, I mean, I, you know, I'm familiar with it to some extent because we, you know, people do it all, not to say all the time, but we know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find an owner financing deal? Because that's one of the things I get calls from people all the time that don't have enough cash or, you know, uh, can't find something in their price range or whatever the case may be, or their credit's bad. You know, that, that happens a lot. Um, and they're like, well, what if we do owner financing? And I'm like, well, you know, it's not that you can't, you know, but from the way I understand the way I explain it is number one is you got to find a person willing to do it. So that's seems to be number one challenge. The second thing is, is you have to be very careful how you drop the contracts because in most cases, you know, you can't just draw it on a napkin because it's going to, it's going to heavily favor 
the the you know the owner of finance who's financing the deal if unless yeah. you unless you draw it up appropriately to where you're at a, at an advantage or at least on equal footing in that situation yeah. so so how would you, you know how do you go about a finding the deals and then you know kind of generally structuring them to some extent sure so Couple ways. Um, we have virtual assistants, or, or the student can call themselves. But I strongly recommend they hire they hire a virtual assistant. Kind of knows the lingo, so they can sift through the sort of the non qualified people. And what does it mean? Right. It means they're calling expired listings that didn't sell the market. Okay. They're calling for rent by owner, for sale by owner. They're calling, and those usually give enough leads, by the way. Gotcha. But if they are aggressive or they want to expand the, you know, how many deals they want to do, they can go to the niched lists. Like I just said earlier, would one would be my favorite. Free and clear, absentee owner. So they own a property down the street, but they don't live in it as their primary. Right. Really cool leads right now. Okay. So now, if you are debt free, this guy here, he was advertising on a busy road that I'm on here, owner financing, and he had realtors giving him offers. He said, no, 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 I don't want to sell it because he had tax issues yeah. and estate planning issues. Okay. There are people like that. You just have to know a pond to fish in and- those are six-figure deals the way we exit them. We can talk about that later, but those are six-figure deals every time you find one. Really? And then what you guys do uh, to, to kind of exit out is you just figure out a way to sell it later? Is that is that kind of the idea? Or? We sell, and we can go like basic in advance. So I'll give the basics. I just mentioned options. Mm -hmm. Our basic exit model on residential is rent to own. Okay. Most educators will teach rent to own, and they'll even tell you, don't care about the buyer. Don't care if they're qualified. Just stick them in the home. Take a deposit. If they don't qualify, they leave. You do another one. Right. That might be okay for them legally, but it's morally and ethically. It stinks. Yeah. So my yeah. son, Nick, it's awful. So my son, Nick, and uh, is the buyer specialist. They have to come in and get qualified, Mike. They can't just get in a home. They're not a renter or wannabe. They are a buyer that went to someone like you. You qualify and said, ah, sorry, you need two years seasoning. Or sorry, you need more down. Or sorry, your credit has to improve. Those are the three things. Right. And post COVID, by the way, as you know, record number of people starting their own business. Now they need two years seasoning. Yep. But they came from corporate America. They got money. They got credit. Those are great rent home buyers. So our exit is uh, they come in the property, they put a down payment down. They were ready to buy. Yeah. That's payday one for us. That's a non refundable down payment. Then payday two, while they're in the property getting mortgage ready, we call it, there's a spread between what I'm paying the owner or, uh, or a loan and what they're paying me. That little delta, that's our payday two. Every month it's cash flow. Yep. And then our payday three is really cool because of all the principal pay down while we're doing that and they're paying it, that accrues to us, of course. And then any markup in the in the property. So when I said to you earlier, they're very lucrative. Our three paydays around the country for all the students, West Coast, East Coast, runs a low of like 40, 45 grand. It could be low depending on price. All the way up to a quarter of a million. We're working on a deal in Maryland right now that could be almost a half a million on a cash out. Wow. So these are very lucrative deals. I'm not saying you do 10 of these a month. I'm not saying right, right. I am saying we've got to find it. Skill set. You can. Yeah. You can yeah. The, the, the challenge I, I would imagine, which what you was, what you guys do and what you've mastered is finding those deals, right? Just with anything else, because, you know, once you know the structure of how to put something together and duplicate it over and over again, then that's okay. But that's still, it's kind of like I, I tell realtors all the time, um, that you know when you go to real estate school and you go take your classes and go to all the courses and all that kind of stuff that you're learning the the contracts and you're learning you know how to how to structure your, you know the the amendments and all that stuff but you're not learning how to find deals right. <laughs> or clients to right. you know to sell real estate to and that's really the game the game is not you know structuring the deal necessarily the game is finding the deals to be able to structure you nailed um, it because that is the if there was a harder part it's that 
Once yeah. you get a property like that, filling it with a buyer, as you know, we have a mortgage broker in our community. He does he's been doing it for like twenty years? He said that his. You can tell me what yours is. He said, Chris, right now, about seventeen to twenty percent of the people that are coming in my door to apply are getting qualified. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's accurate. Yeah, I would, I would say eighty-three percent. That's. I'm not saying they're all good for us, but a portion of them are. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a number of reasons. It's not just credit. It's like you said, it's their, yeah. their income because they haven't been self-employed. And really, you know, one of the pushes that's happening in the mortgage industry right now as a whole, you know, when you look at different companies is that we are actually, you know, I don't say lobbying, but we're, we're definitely pushing for guidelines to loosen up a little bit. I mean, you know, foreclosures are the lowest that they've ever been. We're under 1%. These, you know, when I, again, when I see everything, like all the foreclosures are coming, I'm like, where? Cause nobody's yeah. even behind on their mortgage right now, or, you know, right. very few people. And you've got to have a certain percentage, you know, one to two to 3%. And especially now that, um, you know, the federal government essentially has told the banks that all these forbearance programs, when people that can't pay their mortgage are being allowed to stay, and that would help open up our supply issue if we just had a few more foreclosures. But everything's either being subsidized on the buyer side or it's being too strict on the on the loan side where we, you know, if you don't again, if you don't fit in the box, then you're gonna have a really hard time getting a loan. Yeah, it's tough. I I went, um, it's against my uh <laughs> my practice to go get a loan. But in 17, I got a small one, like 17% LTV for a cottage I wanted to tear down and where I live now in a house, in a new house. And my wife said, wow, that was like brutal. And it wasn't, it's worse now. But she said, that was brutal. How do other people not in the business get through that? Because, I, you know, we're in the business. I said, I, I know this is why I don't use banks. It was crazy. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, we don't make it easy. Um, we did have a question here. So uh, Conrad wants to know, how much are you requiring as a down payment on your rent to own deals? Yeah, great question, Conrad. If they go to our site, they'll see a video that explains Rentone, and that video tells them they'll need three to ten percent. Now, that assumes a lot. That assumes that job's going to fit. That assumes we like the longevity in the job. All that criminal, sexual harassment, all that gets checked. Yeah. Having said that, they they can get in the door with three, but they won't stay at three. Cannot. We don't say okay because you're eventually only going to need three percent down. You're good. We want to build them up to ten throughout the term, or if it's a jumbo, twenty. Yeah. Now it does two things. It puts them in a better uh, position for, for qualifying with someone like Mike, right? Yeah. And invests them in the home more and more and more as a buyer. They're not going anywhere if they have all that. And third, for you as an investor, it improves your cash flow. Yeah. 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 Well, that, yeah, that you have the money come in that you can do stuff with other things. Um, all right. So we talked about the owner financing. I wrote down, tell me a little bit more about, because again, I'm ignorant on all this stuff. Tell me a little bit more about subject two. Yeah, so sub two again is more for people on the other side of the coin. They, they need they need relief. Like I can give you example after example. Let me talk about one deal. I think it's always better to give an example. Yeah. So we did a deal here about an hour away from here because we still do this with our family, not just coaching people. And it was a divorce situation. They slipped behind. I think it was two payments. They had I think they watched HGTV too many times. They had like all credit cards maxed out because they rehabbed it. Yep. Nice home, nice area, nice community. Um, realtor had on the market couldn't sell. I think it was on for like four and a quarter. They owed around, I'm giving you a rough number, it's going to have the deal in front of me. They owed around 375, I think it was. Mm -hmm. We bought it for exactly the loan balance plus the two months of arrears. And we didn't do that till we found our buyer. That's another conversation we can have. Mm -hmm. So we're never out of pocket. The, the uh, seller's name to this day is on the mortgage. That's how it works. It stays in their name. But we bought the home, regular closing. And if anyone's been to a closing table, most of you listeners probably have been. Where on the settlement statement, it says that the new bank that's bringing the money to the table, it just says subject to existing loan with the bank and the existing balance at that time. 
that's what you're buying the property for. So our deposit, quote unquote, was the two months of arrears that we had. Right. To okay. Okay. Um, so when you say the, you said we could talk about the found buyer. Tell me, tell me about that. Uh, sorry, which context did I give you? Well, you were, you just said we can talk about it a little bit more, but you were talking about you found your buyer because. Oh yeah. You, sorry. Yeah. All of our deals. So all our contracts are in our, in our platform, right? All of them, all the legal contracts, they improve as we get better and better. The, all of them say these deals are contingent upon us finding our tenant buyer first. Now, with a deal like that's underwater like that, there's obviously a rush. You can't go, yeah, I'm going to take four months because they'll get foreclosed on. But so there's a fine balance. And when you get more experience, you don't have to put that clause in. But when you're brand new, you want the clause in that says, when I find my tenant buyer, then I'll start the payments. Yeah. Um, we found a tenant buyer with a payday one. She's an attorney, by the way. It's unbelievable what, what stories you can you help people with. She yeah. went through uh, law school and got her credit beat up. So she came to the table with $41,000. On this house, like four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars house, non-refundable. We had to pay forty-one hundred in arrears to close the deal, plus some transfer tax. So let's just say sixty-one hundred. Yeah. Um, but we got forty-one, so we're already ahead of the game, walking in the deal. Uh, she's still in the house to this day. Wow, wow. So you actually go out before you agree to anything, or I guess you make offers, but get, get contingent. You'll actually go find somebody who's going to buy it first, because then you're covered on both sides, basically. Yeah, remember what we said to your point earlier. You nailed it when you said, "Remember that it's easier, it's harder to get the properties, but when you go to sell them, I'm telling you, the floodgates are open. You have to actually sift who the renters are and the ones that are going to waste your time, because 80 percent of them, no matter what you say in the ad, they call you and go, "Yeah, I was just looking for a rental." No. It's rent to own. You are committing to buy this property. With that other twenty percent, right. you stay busy. I'm telling you, hundreds of calls. Crazy. Wow, wow. So the people on the other side that are trying to buy in that manner, they're 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 in abundance. It's okay. just finding the the properties to get. It's it. the eighty percent that can't get qualified, right, conventionally. But then sifting through those eighty percent to find the twenty percent that are good for rent to own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you still got that. Which again, that's legwork as well, right? Then, yeah, yeah. I think you know with stuff like this. There's always, you know, when people see the short videos or, you know, read through maybe half of a book or a quarter, which we'll get to your books here in a second. But, but whenever they do that, they, I think there's this thought, like everybody's looking for the, the easy way. Like, oh, if I just do this, I'm going to get there and I don't really have to try or work very hard, but there are ways to do lots of things, but there's always work involved always. And, you know, whether it's finding the deal, you know, finding a, a house that will fit what you're looking for, or whether it's sifting through 300 people that want to be your buyer yeah. to try to figure out who's actually going to be a qualified, dependable, you know, somebody that's going to end up paying their thing that you're not going to have to, you know, switch out in a little while. I mean, I mean, that, that really is the core of what we're doing or what you're doing is, is, you know, it's not the, it's kind of like, you know, someone says, why would you tell everybody this secret method? It's like, no, no, no. We tell them things because nobody's actually going to do it. Like <laughs> it's, you can say stuff all the time and give your secrets, but to find someone that will actually go through and complete it, that's a whole other ballgame. Yeah. Look, I say this all the time, Mike, I'll say two things about that because you're spot on again. I Entrepreneurship is hard. I don't yes. care what you're doing. It's harder than you think. And then real estate in general, creative real estate is very lucrative. I just said the numbers that are in our community. But I didn't, I never said it was easy, right? So why do some people come in and do a deal in 32 days and some people take a year and then everyone else in between at all different times? Why? The same course material is taught. We have a same foundation platform. Everybody goes through it. Well, what is it then? It's all this. It's all the mindset piece. It's all the struggle that you said. It's all the challenge. And you will be frustrated doing it. Yep. So what you got to do is you got to surround yourself with either a person or a group or in our case, a whole community, the Wicked Smart community. So you can go to them and go, hey, Mike, I had this. Yeah, yeah, it's normal. Just do this, this and this. You yep. need that. It's not even a, a question anymore. 
you got to put the support around you it, it, at, at bare minimum, just to reassure you that this is normal and it's okay. And this is what yep. everybody goes through. And you're, you're going through challenges that have always been there and nobody ever said it was going to be easy. It requires work on just like anything else, you know, and there is no get rich quick, no fast scheme. That's going to take care of it. You have to work and it, it, whatever it is, but you have to work. Uh, Conrad had another question. He says on sub, uh, sub two deals, since the seller stays on the loan, do you have a deed transfer? And if so, how do you avoid a due on sale by the lender? Yeah, Conrad, the most asked, like literally on interviews today and yesterday is all I got. So here's the deal. And please, please, please understand for the disclosure that I am not an attorney, I'm not an accountant, I'm not giving you advice. I'm telling you what we do. Right. What we do at the advice of our attorneys. And then I want to talk about attorneys, if you can remind me, Mike, because this is so important to do this right. right. Um, we want to make sure that we purchase the property one of two ways, Conrad. We either do it with a land contract, uh, contract for deed, which means the deed does not transfer. It goes into escrow. You get the same end result to own it. Most of ours, however, are transferred. And we put them, we, we name them in a trust. And the trust is if it was Mike's property and Mike needed financial relief and it was 123 Jump Street, it would be the 123 Jump Street Millis Family Trust. Why? Again, not legal advice, just how we're told to do it. We do it because in 80, I think it was two in 1982, the Garmin St. Germain Act was passed and that allowed families to transfer properties without triggering due on sale for trust and estate and planning reasons. So that's why we do it. Um, it's never happened to me where anything got foreclosed because what do banks want, which I know Mike knows all too well. They, they want, want the mortgage money. paid. That's it. Pay the, pay the mortgage like you said you would when you bought the property. If you go late, you can expect to be someone banging on your door. Yes. Um, now, the, the thing I want to say about the attorneys, this is important. We had a student. We do calls for students. Like we're in the trenches, right? I had this, this student go to Israel for a trip. And he said, oh, Chris, what am I going to do? I get this hanging deal. I said, I got it because I'm, I'm his coach. I coach the higher level peeps. I called four attorneys, four. And one after the other in, in New Jersey told me, no, you can't do that. And I know you can. So I, I finally called my attorney locally and said, you got to help me. I, I, you got to find me an attorney in Jersey. He found me an attorney to this day who's still with us, who's in 32 states and knows how to do sub two contract for the lease purchase. So she closed that deal in about nine days. Four attorneys there said, you can't do it. Argumentative with me. Yeah. You got to find some. It's like calling a divorce attorney saying, hey, can you help me out with this, you know, this, uh, this criminal matter? No. Go to someone who just does it, please. Or you're going to get yourself in trouble. And you'll be frustrated because you'll be like, oh, they told me I can't do it. No, you can't. You just need to go with well, someone. I mean, we experienced that in our industry to a certain extent. I mean, this is a lesser example of this because, you know, you can do it, but it's just knowing the person that you're talking to knows how to do it. Like yeah. I, I've just had a couple of transactions recently where um, the parent or the, excuse me, the kids were buying a property for their mom and dad. Okay. And mom and dad are not on the loan. Okay. They're not on there, but mom, but the kids are buying a property for them. Well, they went to others and other lenders and said, well, you got to put down 20%. It's an investment property. And said, no, no, you don't. You don't have to put down 20%. You can put down 5% and buy it as a primary residence. We just have to demonstrate that your parent, mom, dad, whoever does not have the ability to buy the house on their own. And if we can prove that, and usually it's done through tax returns or what, you know, income verification, whatever, then, then you can buy it and you can put down 5%. You can get a primary mortgage interest rate. You don't have to get us uh, an investment property interest rate. And you can do that house. We did two of those deals this month. Now, the thing about that is, is like, it's not that you can't do it. It's just, or, or that the, um, I can do something that someone else can't. It's just how, you know, talking to someone who's gone through it and done with it. And whether it's an attorney or whether it's a doctor telling yeah. you, you know, that you need surgery when you don't or whatever the case may be, 
it's not like you're fishing for the right answer. If you go through enough people and you can't do it, they'll tell you you can't. But if you go through enough people, eventually, a lot of times you can find someone that says, no, you can do it this way if, if, if you structure it right. Right. Yeah, your businesses are different. You brought it to light because I had I won't mention their name either, but the national company, whenever they get on the end loan of our of our buyers and it, us or our students, they always call my son, Nick, and we know it's going to happen. We try to tell them, don't use that company. They call and go, oh, we can't do that. Can't do that. We need this, this, this. It's so crazy. And yet if I call, you know, Michelle, for example, our local loan officer, she'd be like, yeah, I'll get it done for you. It's yeah. just it's insane to me. Yeah, you just have to know how to put it together. But even what you were saying earlier about the do on sale clause, you know, one of the things that we experience, and I've talked to multiple title attorneys on this here in Texas, is people ask me all the time about moving a property from when they buy it, because you have to buy it as an individual when you go yeah. the you know yeah. con conventional route, you have to buy it as an individual and then it's titled in your name, right? Well, if you want to then transfer that title over to an LLC, there's nothing that says that you can't, right? right? You're moving the title over. But the do on sale clause can play a role and people get scared of that. And I tell them the exact same thing you said. I'm like, look, if you pay your mortgage and everything gets paid, then nobody's coming to look for anything. Not that it's legal or illegal. It doesn't make any difference. Right. They're, they're not going to dig and try to find the only time you run into issues when you try to get creative with things that you do is if the mortgage isn't paid. And if the mortgage isn't paid, then the bank's going to exhaust every possibility that they can to get that property back because they want to get their money and they want to recoup. But if it's taken care of and it's paid, then you don't run into those issues. Yeah, Mike, you said something cool that you said legal and not legal. It's not the issue. Quick story. So I, the attorney we use locally, the senior partner is in his 70s now. I've done some deals with him, but he's also our attorney. Mm -hmm. The junior attorney in his office, who's now done deals with us for about 14 years, said to me, I can't do these sub two deals because he was, he was he's brand new. So Richard, the senior attorney, sat him down and he, and, he, and he called me and he told me what he told him. He said, he told him, look, this is not a legal or not legal issue. This is simply a contractual issue between the bank and the seller, period. Yeah. And this guy is ultra conservative. Trying to, and he was schooling the junior attorney. Now, the junior attorney closes these like clockwork for us in a trust now, but he had to be educated. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to learn. I mean, well, look again, you know, not to keep saying it, but when I got into the business doing mortgages, right. Um, I was, uh, um, you know, brand new to the business, didn't know anything from anything, just your standard deals. Well, everybody that was in the business would tell me over and over again, anytime I'd get a deal on condos, right. A condo that don't do condos. Condos are impossible. They're so hard. They're, they're unbelievable. You can't, you know, and it's like every, everybody that I worked with was like, oh, just stay away, just pun them, get rid of them. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're just throwing away money. Okay. I don't understand. Well, I got to do one, right. I got to try one. Yeah. It was the same thing with manufactured homes. Oh, don't do man, man homes. Man homes are terrible. They're, you know, you can't do this, can't do that. They're so hard to complete, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, but let me try. Let me do one. You know, I did a condo. Then I did a man home. And I'm like, are there differences between a regular, you know, single family? Is it, yeah, of course. And are there like condos you got to deal with HOAs and getting, you know, insurance and documents and budgets and bylaws and all that kind of, yes, those are those things that are hurdles. Okay. And they're a little bit more challenging than something else, but it's not impossible to do. And right. again, you're just throwing money in the garbage because you don't want to take a couple extra steps. And once you know how to do it, and once then it's nothing, it's not hard anymore. Now it's just another contract and another deal. And it's, it's that learning curve that just scares the hell out of people, I guess. I don't know, but it, like we experience that all the time, just, just on my side of doing regular loans. One of our top guys um, in the community is in Chicago. He came from corporate. A lot of them do. They want to escape their job. And he, he was nervous at first because brand new. So he did his first like eight deals or nine deals, sandwich lease in that area a mastery paid is worth like just over 800,000. I think it was very lucrative. And I kept telling him, no, you do sub two. No, you can't do sub two. So I, this lady told me I can't do them. Now he does them. That's all he'll do. 
it's who you're exposed to. Um, it's it's simple, actually. Yeah. Oh, well, by the way, Texas, the if you have a lot of listeners from Texas, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Texas, of all states that I've dealt in, the attorneys there, because you don't do a lot of lease purchase, the attorneys there are very well versed with contract for D, land contract, and sub twos. Like they, they, they do them all the time in order to right. find Wow. Even easier. Well, so you brought up uh, some of the new guys coming through. So, so let's talk about your coaching program then in general. So when people come to you and say, Hey, look, I'm ready to get started in this. Like, I want to learn how to do this, you know, kind of walk me through the, the initial steps. Like how does someone, how do you, how do people come to you? Number one, number two is, is where do you kind of start them, you know, as little babies getting into this world say, okay, you need to start here. You know, what's, what's kind of the process for somebody new coming into the world? Yeah. We've refined. It used to be me getting on a phone with you and just doing deals. Now it's, um, and doesn't matter what level they come in at. And when I say level, we call them associates. Okay. Students that decide to commit to do deals. And there's either a one, two or three. Uh, no, it's not one year. It's 18 months, 24 months or 36 month contract in which time frame we're going to be revenue sharing on deals. As you learn, we're going to do them together. You're going to learn. We're going to get them close together and we're going to share in revenue together. What oh, wow. level so you guys you share in the revenue on the deals. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's we're in it. Like we're in it. That's great. I think that's great because that means that I'm not just left out floating on my own. Like I got somebody in the trenches with me. I think that's fantastic. And I promise you, I don't care how good you get at it. You're going to, you're going to, most people go, oh, what do I do now? I don't want to leave you guys. Let's take family. Plus I, I ask you a question. So we have a way if they can stick around if they want. Yeah. Um, the, what level they pick, Mike, depends upon how serious, uh, depends upon if they want to go full time, depends on resources, depends on a lot. Sure. But the splits, the revenue splits will differ. But to your earlier question, they will all start on a 90-day curriculum, all of them. Same 90-day curriculum, same coach brings them through that. And then what they do after the 90 days, there's actually a six-month up to that too, an extension. After that, they can decide if they want to go to one of the higher levels or not. They yeah. might say, you know what? I got it. We yeah. have a woman that shows up on almost every week. We have a free, we call it a Wicked Smart sit-down. Uh, Denise is her name. Shows up all the time, shows up to all the events, has taken our course only. Never joined to revenue share with us and does deals. Now, I kid her every time. She probably leaves a crap load of money on the table, but she's doing deals on her own and and it's good for her. Yeah. She's doing it the way she wants to. Yep. Um, On the 90 day deal, on the education part, are they, are you trying to help them find a deal right out of the gate or are you making them go through the 90 days and saying, Hey, let's learn this first. So you know what you're doing and then we'll start working on finding deals. Great question. We obsess over the metric of time to first deal, TTFD. Again, because that's what we, that's all we want to do is deals, because then that gets to our purpose of improving their lives and letting them live their life of their dreams. That's our purpose. Yeah. So in the 90 days, do people start to do deals? Some are more and more. It's becoming more than norm. If you look at the entire community, our TTFD is 158 days. So mm-hmm. you take that takes a person took 30 days and takes the person took a year. Right. So to be right. fair, the entire community is one average. Yeah. And, and it's good. We're getting it down. I want to get it under 120. We're, we're, we're getting there. It's come down dramatically. Um, but the 90 days is meant to lay the foundation. They will start getting on the phone like literally week two or three. So, yes, they could, in theory, do a deal. And some do. Yeah. OK, so um, so tell me this part, because you're you're a straightforward guy. So I'm sure you'll you, you can't win every time That's all we know. Right. You can't win all the time. You, you, you mess up. We all mess up. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. So, so every deal doesn't happen perfectly. Every deal isn't one. Everybody doesn't make money. Okay. So, so give me some examples of some hurdles, roadblocks, failures, things that have occurred that you're like, Hey, we tried this. It didn't work. Or we run into this often. These are challenges you're going to deal with. We could do 
Absolutely. And this is inviting myself back. We could do an hour or two or three show on this one, but let me give you a couple. So yeah. when my son on uh, Zach first started, he came from personal training and bartending business and he was just doing the front end calls like a virtual assistant, which is to get his feet wet and give me the leads. Well, he found his first deal it was not too far from here. And long story short, after we bought it, we bought it sub two from a school teacher who wanted to leave the town. And we found out it had a massive, not small, massive lead problem. We didn't inspect for it. That ended up costing us $32,000. So luckily I teach students because we, we we teach them no money down. Right. But we also teach them set up lines with like fund and grow and seven figures in these companies we have because there might be a vacancy, because there might be a headache like this. Right. And that, that So he talks about to this day because he said if he was on his own, right, and not with us as a family team or a student with us, he would be broke. He, he'd yeah. be out of business on his first yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, we I've had many like that, but but guess what we do after that, Mike? As soon as that happened, our, we call our attorney and go, hey, how can we avoid that? Well, if you're buying it, then you should have A, inspected it, but B, you can tie it, at least purchase, you tie the owner to anything with mold or asbestos or or lead. So we yeah. do that, our agreements change, right? Yeah. So then the students learn from all our crap we went through. There's a chapter in my book, that it's, it's titled, What Can Go Wrong? And another mentor in our space, his name's not important, said to me, why do you do that? You're going to scare people away. I said, no, I'm going to tell them what's going to happen. So when it happens, they don't panic and they stay with me. That's called trust. Yeah. I, you know, I think this is a thought that's dying away um, in that, like uh, when I was growing up, you know, my, my parents age or whatever, you know, there was this, don't ever, don't ever just put up the front, right? Yeah. I'm a, I wear a suit and tie and you know, I, my shoes are polished and I say all the right words and I, you know, do all the right things and everything works out. And I think that's gone. I think that authenticity oh. and realism is way more important to people than anything else these days. And to be yep. able to go to somebody and say, Hey, look, I have this thing that I do and I do it like this, 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 and this, and it works and we can make money and I can show you how to do it. But we also screw up a lot. Okay. We've made mistakes, but the reason that I can tell you how to do this is because I've had all these mistakes and I've messed up many, many times. Now, does that mean I'm never going to mess up again in the future? No, because we always are going to be on a constant learning curve. It never stops. But just to, if, if anybody's ever looking and say, Oh, well, you know, they that, like, that's part of my issue with like politics, right? Is politicians yeah. get up front and they want to tell you all the stuff I believe. And when you ask them a question say, well, what about this? Nobody can just say, well, you know what? I don't know that very well, or I'm learning about that, or I'm you know, else. how I feel about it. You know, it's, or they just twist it away. And that's why people get sick of it. So I think it's so important to be able to be authentic with people and say, no, 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 this is what we do. This is how we do it. But we screw up, we make mistakes, you know, and, and we're not perfect on it, but just like, I can uh, go if my toilet breaks at my house. Okay. I can go and try to fix my toilet. I can go to Home Depot. I can get parts. I can go to YouTube. I can look up reasons and ways to do it. Right. But something could occur that happens in the middle of that process where I just, you know, it floods the house, whatever. Right. Yep. Or I could have paid the plumber 50% more than what I would have spent with time and everything else to do it to make sure because all the experience that he's had in doing that job, I am paying for. I'm not paying necessarily for him to come in and tighten a screw or do whatever. I'm paying for all of his experience for the last 20 years or 15 years or whatever it is to come in and handle that so I don't have any major catastrophes occur in my house. And it's the very same thing. Absolutely. So um, last thing, you mentioned the book. Uh, we got three of them here. This is, what, this is what I got. So tell me about these guys. Let's see if I can get them up there right. We got... The uh, uh, the new rules of real estate investing. We've got, uh, I believe this was the first one, right? Yeah. Um, well, uh, it was revised during COVID, so it's actually very current. Yeah. Real estate on your terms kind of glow in there. 
And then the last one here is uh, deal structure and overtime. I think this is the most recent one here. So tell me about those guys. So, so what we'll do is we'll give them a link just for your tribe, Mike. Uh, just and then I'll tell you about the two they'll they'll get. Uh, Wicked Smart Books, WickedSmartBooks.com forward slash um, Mills. Simple. Okay. Right? Forward slash Mills. In that you'll get the real estate in your terms. That is the more prevalent to what you and I talked about. A through Z, kind of what we do. Will it cause you to go out and make a million dollars tomorrow? No. It'll open your horizons to what you can do. Right. Uh, and then in that, we do throw the, the deal structure over time because that talks about the deals and the nuances behind it and just goes deeper and deeper. I'm big on free. I told you before the show, um, free is good because you can do your due diligence before you pick what niche you want to be in. And if it's ours, great. And if it's not, it's okay. Yeah. You can also go to YouTube. I mean, there's over 200 deals we post. We give you the bad, the good. Like Mike, when you asked me, hey, what else went wrong? Go look at it. We tell you what could go wrong. Yeah. There's over 200 there. If you yeah. if you just put smart real estate coach in YouTube, you'll get them all. Well, um, I know you're uh, pressed for time a little bit today, so I really, really appreciate you uh, hopping on here with me and kind of going through all this. And we went through a ton of information in a really short amount of time, but I do encourage anybody that's interested in this, you know, go go check it out. Go to their YouTube channel. Go to, um, you know, their LinkedIn, Facebook, like research it, look into it. Um, right. Just like I did when before you came on, um, I went and dug through some of this and learned some stuff that I wasn't aware of. And I was really interested to get your take on it because, and I really, um, I, I just got the books the other day, but I can't wait to kind of hop in there and really kind of dig into that because I do think that in, in the world of real estate with what we're dealing with right now, um, there's so many ways and so many opportunities to make money in this world. I mean, the wealthiest people on the planet that we know of right now, the vast majority of them have a great amount of their wealth in real estate. It's just what yep. it is. Yep. And so if, if you want to get to that point, this is something that you need to learn about and get familiar with. And are you like we said in the beginning, are you going to become a billionaire, a millionaire overnight? No, it takes time. It takes work. It takes knowledge, but it is a place where you can be your own person. You can have your own business. You're not subject to some corporate whim and you can get out there and do something with it, but you need some guidance. You need some help. And that's where guys like you, Chris, come into play to kind of help hold people's hand. And I, again, I'll say it again. I love the fact that you guys are partnered up on the deals with people up front because that gives you a little bit extra, you know, if, if it's me, it's a little extra warm, fuzzy to know, Hey man, I agree. this guy's in here with me. And if something goes wrong, we're on it together. Yeah. Couldn't agree more, no. buddy. And I really, really appreciate me on And thanks for mentioning the books. And I, you know, you and I can interact again later. I know we're going to do some things together. Hopefully we connect at our events, but Love to help anyone in your tribe um, to go ahead and foray into the industry here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you very much for hopping on with thank me you. today and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, and everybody buddy. that stuck around, we'll see you soon.